Hey everyone, this is The Truth of the Matter Is. I am your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Jonathan. This, of course, is episode number 57. Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we want to say we appreciate you for listening in today. But before we begin, let's give a round of applause to all who decided to tune in today. Now, if this is episode one for you, or episode 57 as a longtime listener, we are thankful and hope that you continue to plus play during your own free time. Yeah, so on the truth of the matter, it's podcast, it's really all about studying God's word and allowing his word to shape, mold, and fashion you to have a biblical perspective on life. You know, it really gives the individual a chance for their heart and their mind to change and be open to potentially being inspired through the word of God. Now, before we begin, let's start off with prayer. Now, we find it helpful to pray because it's free access to God, and it could be a personal interaction in your own time or in a public acknowledgement as like a church gathering or a family gathering. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, you said for where two or three are gathered together in your name, there am I in the midst of them. And with that being said, we take your appearance to be comforting. We see it as a blessing. We appreciate your time, but do not take it for granted. As we go to your word today, we ask for the wisdom to discern and the courage to choose you and believe it. We must understand that it's impossible to please you without faith. So, Lord, help us to have faith in you. Help us to believe. Let your word speak to us. Let it move in on us in ways it never did. Help those who are still on the fence. Give them a breakthrough. Open their eyes, their ears, their hearts and minds to the instruction of what your word says. I testify that you've spoken to me through it. So I am trusting that you would do the same for others. If not today or at any moment moving forward, Lord, you told us to ask and then keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock, keep on knocking. When you keep on asking, seeking and knocking, you have the promise that God hears us and will answer our prayers in the correct timing. We believe that today and also every day. Therefore, we say these things in Jesus' name and all in agreement say, Amen. Amen. So before we get started, how's your week been, Daniel? Uh, it's been a roller coaster of a week, honestly. Okay. Feel like sharing? <sighs> um. <laughs> take your time. Take your time. Honestly, no. Honestly, no. No? Not even a little <laughs> Not bit? This week. It's just relationship stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Save yeah. that for another time. <laughs> I had a rough week myself. I suppose the roughness came when I went to visit my friend in Jersey. And I've had two car issues that arrived. The car was overheating in one instance where I'm driving to my hotel at 1 o'clock in the morning. And the car just decides to overheat randomly. So. I had to pull up in a nail salon parking lot at one thirty in the morning and 
open up the cap. Now, you're not supposed to do that, but I used a rag and it shot up in the air. And there was a trick that I learned from my neighbor that if your car's overheating, roll the windows up, blast the heat, and drive home with it. That's how you can get home. So I was able to do that. And then the next day, I had to go to a shop and have them to you know remove the thermostat out so i can get home so everything was good i got over the bridges i got to one of the main highways about 20 minutes from the house and then something else arrived that came up however it didn't stop me from getting home so i'm just thankful to god that i was able to get home and i'm thankful to god that i have the finances to be able to you know address some of the issues so in one instance I'm hoping it's not what I think it is because it's the part that I replaced. I want to say around December, a big part, actually. And if it is, we'll have to make adjustments from this point on. So for some strange reasons, I've always had car issues for the most of the time I've had cars. I don't know why, but it feels as though I'm always at a mechanic every three weeks, every two weeks for something. It's not my fault, but you know. Just adjusting and moving as I'm supposed to, having faith and being thankful that I can get behind the wheel and hoping in the future that I'll be driving a car where I don't have to worry about constantly getting something done on the car. But it happens. So that's my little mini story for this week. Are you sure there's nothing else you want to share? No. Everything else has been um pretty normal for the most part. A lot of um a lot of job interviews this week too. So Okay, looking for a new job. That's good. Seeing what God will do for you next. That's that's good. Okay, so the first order of business is that I want to talk about the role of a prophet. Right? So a prophet, you know, it teaches truth and interprets the word of God, right? He or she also calls the unrighteous to repent. And he receives or she receives others divinely inspired revelation and direction for the Lord for our benefit. Right. He or she may see into the future and foretell coming events so that the world people around them may be warned or even informed about what's to come and what are the appropriate actions that must be taken. Then I want to talk about what a priest is. So a priest is the temporary mediator. Between God and man, they offer up sacrifices required under the law within that priesthood was a single high priest who alone offered the sacrifices on the day of atonement that cleansed the people for one year. And lastly, what a king is. Now, this should be an easy one. A king is one who is the rightful, complete authority over another. Now, you might be asking, why am I going over the responsibilities of a prophet, priest, and king? My humble opinion, I think this is needed to, this is a needed thing to know because it will help us in our understanding of what our text is for today, actually. Now, we are continuing in the Gospel of Luke series, and we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 19, verse 28 through 40. We're going to look at this in the NLT to get things started. After telling the story, 
Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples, as he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany, on the Mount of Olives. He sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt. Just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives. All of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. So I want to first talk about the significance and the setting of the Mount of Olives, right? So in scripture, the first mentioning of this place can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 30. And this is what it says. David walked up the road to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and his feet were bare as a sign of mourning. And the people who were with him covered their heads and wept as they climbed the hill. So as you can see, culturally, what's happening is is that a sign of mourning was the cover of his feet as a bare sign. So far, it's viewed as a place in which David wept. When I dig a little deeper, a bit more deeper, it's a place for prayer and burial since the days of the first temple. Another interesting thing that I discovered was Jesus prayed on the Mount of Olives, right? And he prayed the day before his crucifixion, to be exact. It's also noted in scripture that an angel comforted Jesus there in his prayer time and his place to get away from things. During Jesus' life, as he ministered to multitudes, he often retreated to pray where? On the Mount of Olives. It was the Mount of Olives that the Acts of the Apostles proclaimed that this was the place where Jesus ascended to heaven. Something else interesting came up in my study, and that was many Jewish people throughout history have requested to be buried where? The Mount of Olives. Now, the Jewish people believe that when the Messiah comes, because remember, they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Therefore, they are still holding out hope that the Messiah will come on the Mount of Olives. And therefore, those buried there will have a front row seat to the Messiah. To this day, many graves line the hillside because of this belief. So, as you can see, the Mount Olives is a very significant place, not just for the Christian, but also for Islam and also for the Jew. 
So the place has a lot of significance in history. Now, the next portion of the text that we should be focusing on right away is Jesus exercising the ability to be prophetic. Let's look at the scripture to be reminded of that. It was Luke 19 verses 34 to 39. Jesus says, Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that coat? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the coat, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked them, why are you untying that coat? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So we see Jesus, the prophet first next i want to focus on verse 35 right and this is what verse 35 said so they brought the coat to jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on now believe it or not verse 35 had me thinking why did the disciples put their coats on the back of the donkey was there any significance in doing that now i'm just curiously honest and as a student once upon a time, who majored in philosophy, history, and political science. Much more on the history side, especially when it comes to culture and areas of location, traditional acts play a pivotal role in why people do what they do. So I did some research and came to realize that donkeys happen to sweat a lot. And if there wasn't something on the, on the donkey back then, guess what? I believe Jesus, I believe Jesus' robe and tunic will become wet with it. Now, based upon what I read, a donkey, which is part of the horse family, they can easily lose around four gallons of sweat per hour, which is a lot depending on the intensity of the exercise that they perform and the temperatures of the surrounding environment that they're in. This goes back to what I said earlier. Culture plays a huge role in decisions, and so does the surrounding environments. So remember, based upon the surrounding environment, the text says that they were in Bethpage and Bethlehem. And based upon some research, the average temperatures there is about 86 degrees, which isn't really humid, but it isn't warm either. I would say that, yeah, four gallons of sweat an hour is a lot in 86 degree weather. So let me also highlight that. A horse or a donkey typically drinks between 10 to 20 gallons of water per day, which is a crazy amount per day, something that I didn't consider or even realize. So going back to the text for today, we see Jesus first as you know, a prophet, and now we see Jesus as king, right? And we're going to see this in verse 37 and 38 of Luke, and this is what it says. All of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 17 in the Amplified Version, it says, Do not think that I came to do away with or undo the law of Moses. Or the writings of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill the verses. That basically Jesus, if you are followed along, 
fulfills a verse in the Old Testament book, and that's in Zacharias chapter 9, verse 9. And we're going to look and check this out in the Message Bible. And this is what it says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and endowed with salvation, humble and unassuming, in submission to the will of the Father, and riding on a donkey, upon a colt, the foil of a donkey. You see Jesus also as priest here because of his constant mediating between God and man. Right? Jesus is the son of man. He does say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So verses 38 through 39, if you look closely in the text, it says the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Now he's basically speaking of the rejoicing and praise God with a God was receiving with a loud voice from the disciples, right? And that they were making statements like, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace is peace in heaven and glory is highest. If you want to dig a, a bit deeper we can be a bit more specific by looking at the same text i want to say in a different gospel and that's in matthew 21 verse 9 we're going to look at this in the english standard version and this is what it said and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest yeah, so the term used here in Matthew that isn't mentioned in Luke is the word Hosanna, which means the person to whom they speak of is a person who saves, who rescues, and is a personal savior. Now, that's exactly who Jesus is. The reason why the Pharisees wanted Jesus to rebuke them, his disciples, by the way, because they did not want to hear or believe that Jesus was their Messiah. So they rejected him. And they still do to this day. Even though the truth is obvious to the Christian, it isn't to some Jews why others have been converted. If I may, I want to elaborate a bit more on Jesus being a priest. Now, if we go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, this is what it says. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God, because we live in fellowship with with his son Jesus Christ he is the only true God and he is eternal life so what does a priest provide right a priest provides understanding a priest provides clarity what does a priest do he's a mediator what does Jesus provide in order that we may communicate with God that will happen to be fellowship right we live in fellowship with his son Jesus Christ who also is known and as someone that's a bit more recognizable and importance, right? And we find that out in First John chapter 2, verse 23, that says, No one, again, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So the belief in both is necessary. You can't believe one and deny the other. Just believe in both the Son and the Father. And it's clear in Colossians 2.9, right? That for in Christ lives 
all the fullness of God in human body. Which means when we go to the Gospel of John, right, and we look at chapter 14, and we, re we read verses 8 through 10, I love the way it is put in the Message Bible. This is what it says. Philip said, Master, show us the Father, then we'll be content. You've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand? To see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you aren't mere words. I don't just make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine act. So God accepts the glory that goes to the Son because in the end, the Son, he knows, glorifies the Father. We see that in the Gospel of John, chapter 70, verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. We've seen the Son do that over and over again with every miracle that he performed for others. So when I see verse 40, I see God responding through the person of Jesus Christ, informing them that because I've created all the things, if the praises don't come from people, it will come through other things that God has made, like the stones or the rocks or anything within nature. So the thing is, God must be exalted. He must be lifted up. And humans have this inclination within to acknowledge and worship and pray. And we see that go on all the time. If it's not God, it's money. If it's not money, it's idolatry. We see that all through the Old Testament. If it's not idolatry, it's self. So we always see a need, a desire to give praise and worship to something. Right? So the reason why. I titled this podcast God's Provident Presence is because of Jesus' ability to be a prophet, a king, and priest. And that was all based upon God caring enough to have a provision for his people as he guides us personally in our own journey of faith through life, accomplishing his purposes in them. Right? So in the Old Testament, we've saw prophets, we've saw priests. We saw kings, all who were the mouth of God in different stages and places. What we see now in this text is Jesus happens to be God in the flesh, our Savior, our Lord, our everything. And he shows the ability to be all those things in one person. So there's a portion of the scripture in Hebrews where it says that God has spoken to the prophets, teachers, and now he speaks. Well, he speaks to the prophets, teachers, and whatnot now. But before that, he's spoken to his son, right? So God uses different individuals to relay his message to. And what I want us to see here is Jesus, who is God in the flesh, and he is our Savior, he is our everything, has shown the ability to be all those things in one person. So this Jesus isn't just the son of man. He isn't just an ordinary man. He's everything we will ever need in life, right? So we, when we go to verse 41 through 44, and we look at this in the Message Bible, this is what it said. When the city came into view, he wept over it. 
if you had only recognized this day and everything that was good for you, but now it's too late. In the days ahead, your enemies are going to bring up their heavy artillery and surround you, pressing in from every side. They'll smash you and your babies on the pavement. Not one stone will be left intact. All this because you didn't recognize and welcome God's personal visit. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier that his own disciples, right, did not recognize who he was. That he was God in the flesh, that he was among his own creation. This whole entire time, in Luke 19, 41, it said Jesus wept. Well, why did Jesus wept? Because his own people not only rejected him, but they didn't recognize this day. And everything that was good for them to capitalize with, instead, Jesus prophesies yet again about the destruction of his own people and what the enemy would do. And he closes by saying all this because he didn't recognize and welcome God's personal visit. And I love the way it's put as God's personal visit because to me it's a powerful declaration from God through Jesus Christ. And moving forward, I pray and I hope that as we as a community become more and more attentive about God's word and studying it. I want us to be able to recognize God's provident presence in the midst of trouble, in the midst of hardships, in the midst of everything going on. And I don't want us to be proud, but instead I want us to remain humble and be thankful for the seasons because that is when your faith grows and matures and your walk with Christ improves and it gets better and better day by day and with that being said this leads us right into devotional time how would you describe your mental state right now are you content or discouraged do you feel close to god or distant from him there may be times when you'll wonder if you'll ever be good enough but god has reconciled everything to himself God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 through 20 in the NLT version. Understand that God is not distant from you. Jesus has come to dwell in you and through the cross. He demonstrated once and for all, that he's fully committed to making peace with you. Any barriers between you and God have been removed. There's no way to make yourself worthier of the cross. Reconciliation has been accomplished. You also have good news to share with others. The cross is for everyone on earth, and you'll only be able to share that message if you first believe that God has made space with you. In order to reinforce that belief, say this little prayer heavenly father help me to trust that you've made me complete with peace between me and you by the blood of jesus christ your son help me to never doubt that and i pray and i say this in your holy name amen amen